Reverse Interview Podcast, Episode 7. Now is the perfect time to find your dream job, but it requires a fresh look and a unique twist. That's why Charles Woolsey is here to extract proven solutions from today's experts and make your dream job a reality. Welcome to the Reverse Interview Podcast. Get in, get hired, get promoted. Here's your host, who once broke his arm playing kickball in the neighbor's backyard, Charles Woolsey. But a broken arm only hurts for a little while. Being in the wrong job can hurt for decades. My next guest has spent more than 30 years helping thousands of people find that perfect career, and he founded the Rockport Institute to do just that. He's a best-selling author of two books. He was personally mentored by the world-famous Buckminster Fuller. And he has commendations from two U.S. presidents. Sit back, listen, and learn from Nicholas Lohr. So, Nicholas, tell me what your first job was. Oh, I think I was about 10 years old, and this was before I became a paper boy. I used to see in the magazines, I think it was, in, I saw in Boy's Life, the Scout magazine, that you could sell greeting cards to people door to door and get all these prizes and make money too. So I thought, Isn't, this is just the best thing ever. So they sent out a sample kit of all these really old-fashioned looking cards. I mean, these were cards for the old ladies at the time. They would be like the 200-year-old ladies now. They were so (laughs) old-fashioned. And so I had to go around the neighborhood and sell these things. But I quickly realized that I was kind of shy and I really wasn't a salesman. I mean, and I didn't like the cards. So I just tried it for a little while and then finally just gave up and had to save up my allowance to pay them for all the sales cards. So I came, I had a couple great clues from that. I found out I wasn't a salesman and that I had to like whatever it was I was dealing with. Two very good lessons. I think most people know that they're not a salesman, but I think a lot of people, it takes them a little bit longer to learn that they really need to be interested in what they're doing. So you said you went from there and you had a, a paper route. Was that your next? I Yes, I had a paper route. I was better at that. That was quiet, introspective. I just rode my bike and I would chuck papers across the lawn. That was fun. And I had a lot of interesting jobs as a teenager. I I drilled wells and did all kinds of summer jobs, having no idea what I would do with my life later on. So at some point you got into the career field. How did that happen? I had been running people's companies and it was not something I liked. I wasn't interested in the profit motive and I was running a company in Maine that did energy conservation and some solar work and so forth in the 70s. And I had always gotten bored with these jobs and they were jobs a lot of other people thought I was really lucky to have. But I would get bored. And then after a couple of years, I'd move on to something else. And finally, I decided that I was going to do something that I loved. There was a great fit that would use my talents and, you know, would be something that would last me for a lifetime. So I started to kind of put pieces together. And I had a friend, Buckminster Fuller, who was a famous architect and futurist and designer who lived near me in the summer. And he kind of helped me think things through. And so I was looking for a field where I dealt directly with people, where I could make a difference in people's lives, that it was the, there wasn't any field of positive psychology then, but that's what I had always been interested in. I finally at some point realized that most career counseling was 
really just basic and simple and didn't help people very much. And I just decided to take it on and reinvent it from the ground up, literally start at zero and look and see, first of all, what does it take to have a career fit? And by fit, I mean fit really well. So you wake up in the morning, at least most of the time, looking forward to going to work instead of wishing you could just go back to sleep. That's a lot because that is something that's not true for most people. All the studies show that most people don't really like what they do very much. That's what I've been doing ever since then. I founded Rockport Institute and I wrote a couple of books and we've worked with 14,000 clients, something like a quarter of a million people bought one of those books. So that's what I've been doing is trying to get it out there to people, how you can pick a career that's a great fit and is also practical. Is there any way to boil it down to a few simple things that people can do to help identify what they want to do? Yeah. The first thing that you want to do is make it into a project. So instead of just randomly thinking about it whenever, you know, you you feel you should out be job hunting or you can't stand the job you're in or whatever, set it as something separate. Like if you were going to plan a vacation or build a coffee table or something like that, that, each of those things would be a project. You want to make a project out of this. Projects kind of have steps built into them. So a good way to think about career design, figuring out what you're going to do, it's kind of like a TV detective movie. And you're the detective, and what you're trying to figure out is what you're going to do career-wise. So at first, you want to look for clues, just like the detectives do. What kind of clues? Well, the most basic things are what you're like. So if you think about it, every animal on Earth fits into what they're doing. So the lion fits perfectly on the plains of the Serengeti. It's got exactly the right talents, the big muscles and all that stuff, and the mean, nasty personality, perfect personality for the job. Everything has its own little niche, you know, from the great blue whale to a little clam, you know, they're all in the place that's right for them. But we people can get away with doing jobs that aren't a good fit. So you want to start out looking at your natural talents, what you do well. And if you don't know, ask your friends. So it's your talents and personality. So if you get those things in sync with your work, you've taken a big step forward. So talents could be things like, well, do you work with things? like a builder or an architect or somebody working in a warehouse? Are you kind of 3D like that? Are you kind of in the middle, somebody who might work, uh, you know, like manage a restaurant or something where what you're doing is working in the real world, but it's you're not really solving 3D problems? Or are you more somebody that works more with concepts and ideas? So most salespeople are in that concepts and ideas side. And um, most the majority of business owners are too, because you're, you're, you know, if you're thinking about business as a set of rules and processes and procedures, it's not really 3D. So you look at where you are in terms of that. You look at things like, are you outgoing or are you kind of quiet and ingoing? And so that's what you want to do is build up some pieces of what you know you're like. And so those are going to be design elements of what you do. So if you like to talk to people and you're kind of a natural salesperson, well, that could be the right thing for you. If you're precise and, you know, you spend a lot of time looking up stuff on your computer and getting really in depth, well, those kinds of things would be good clues too. So whatever you're like, 
is the most important part of picking what you're going to do. So get those clues together, make some smaller decisions. My work will be like this, it'll be like that, and then start looking for careers that fit. Is there a process for finding that career? When you started talking, you said something about project. I was thinking maybe you're going to go in the direction of trying some simple things in your career choices or your potential career choices, see if that would work for you. But what is there a process to figuring that out? Well, I think that you can't go out and try everything. You know, I mean, on the old Mr. Rogers show, he would take, okay, kids, he would say, let's go out, you know, and let's go to the music store. Well, so maybe that's useful, but there's 10,000 different careers out there. Running a music store is one of, you know, 10,000. So it's better to spend your time sorting out what you're like so that you fit into the work that you're doing. And then, of course, you start exploring what these different careers are like. And what you want to do is talk with people who are doing exactly the same kind of work. And you want to talk to, you know, if you start really narrowing in, you want to talk to several of them to find out what the work is really like. And you want to come up with good questions. So you're not just coming up with ideas off the top of your hat. You want to think, what, what do I want to ask this person? What do I need to know to know whether this is, fits me? So you want to ask questions like, what do you actually do in the course of a day? Things like that, practical down-to-earth questions. What do you like about what you do? What, do you, what, is, what is a challenge? What's difficult? Are there a lot of people in your field that have certain complaints about working in it? What would those be? Find out the real nitty-gritty in order to check out how well it fits. And also do, you know, obviously the main thing a lot of people do is internet research, but you still have to talk with real people to know what something is like. If you've seen people doing it in a distance, that isn't really good enough. You really do have to, you know, if possible, find some way to try out the job. For a lot of people in a lot of situations, that's that's impossible or hard to do. So very often you'll have to make a decision without actually deciding what to do. I mean, that's what happens when somebody gets trained in college or in a trade school, you're especially in a trade school, you're getting a chance to find out what it's like and whether you like it or not. But in college, you know, you really don't know, even if you're studying a subject, whatever you're actually doing that uses that subject probably has very little to do with what it's like taking courses. So you have to make educated guesses often. But talking to people is the closest thing to reality. And it's a much easier conversation to have, I would I would expect, to have a conversation asking them what their job is about, how they like it, what's involved, rather than would you hire me? Exactly. In terms of job hunting, I think Charles has some great ideas and they sync with uh, some of mine really well. Here's what, here's what I recommend for people. Now, the traditional ways to job hunt consists of resume, just doing all these kind of passive things. Really, what you want to do is the most active, most likely thing, which is forget all these, you know, forget about all this long distance job hunting. You're going to do better just spending your time meeting decision makers, people who could actually hire you. 
because they're going to have to take kind of a leap. If you're just something on a piece of paper, they don't know who you are. So wherever you can do it, you want to make those kind of people connections. And the reason why that works, a few thousand years ago, we were all tribal hunter-gatherers. So let's say you and I are in a tribe on one side of the river, and somebody comes up to us, a stranger just comes walking into camp. We're not, you know, we're going to be suspicious of them. We're not going to be likely to start out on a friendly basis with them. But if they come walking into the camp with a member of our tribe, a highly thought of tribal person, man or woman, then they have an introduction and they kind of get known and it breaks the ice and they're, you know, they become a known entity. So that kind of warm approach works much better than a cold approach. And the warmest approach of all is to talk to the decision maker. You have to make friends. You have to at least make connections so you're highly thought of with people who could actually do the hiring. If you talk with 10 people that actually do the hiring, not asking them for a job, just getting to know them, getting them to know you and your qualities and not push them for a job right away, get to know them first. Your chances are probably 100 times more than they are uh, if you sent out a bunch of resumes. And yet it seems like the more we move and more we get into technology, the more we keep going with the coldest approach possible of sending out resumes or putting resumes on job boards and those kinds of activities. Well, they sometimes work, but most of the time they don't. And very often a job may have a thousand resumes that have poured in. So who are they going to pick? They're going to pick the person with the best resume, the person that matches the job, that who isn't necessarily the person who's going to be best at it. So you want somebody to take a chance on you. And the only way you can do that is through personal connections. Great. I, I believe that with 100% of my being, that people hire people they know, like, and trust versus just something they've read on a piece of paper. And if you want to get in, if you have to go to an interview with somebody you don't know, instead of just sending in a regular resume, well, you know, you need a resume and a cover letter for a lot of jobs, or even if you just go to apply for the job somewhere, what you want to do is get a bunch of quotes from people that know you, hopefully people you work for before or whatever they are. You want to have some strong quote, like Charles Woolsey is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. He's uh, He has this quality and that quality. At least there you have secondhand testimonials. So you can have somebody else say things about you that you couldn't say about yourself. You know, I somebody else can say I'm terrific. If I say I'm terrific, it's just bragging. If, but if you have a, you know, instead of just giving recommendations with people's names and phone numbers on it, put some quotes in there, kind of make things come alive so you stand out from the pack. Right. One of the things I've recommended to people as well with those testimonials, it's so easy right now with your smartphone or little camera that everything takes video. If you could actually get a video testimonial, you can always turn that into text. But that video with the emotional quality of that as well is, can be extremely helpful. Definitely. Great idea. Let me ask you, you've had a number of different careers through your life. Have you, is there a particular career challenge that you had and how did you overcome it? My challenge was, first of all, that I'm, I like to be on the leading edge of things. So I've always been in a field that was kind of before its time has come. 
So I'm always interested in new ideas and stepping way out into the frontier. I'm highly creative and, you know, my mind, I have to have constant wide range of problems. And I'm, I'm not very logical, but I'm pretty good at getting to the heart of the matter with things. So that's, you know, there are various things that I'm good at, but there's a lot of things I'm bad at. I have really terrible memories. I'm not very detail oriented. My attention wanders. Basically, ADD. Of course, nobody knew what it was called then. You know, that was a challenge for me was to pick something that really fit me. You know, I did research in psychology. I did all these different things. Mostly I ran other people's companies and I would get bored. I would get things cranking along. You know, I'm good at the getting it going phase. Once it comes to just running it, I get bored out of my mind. That happened three times. And it took those three times for me to realize that maybe it wasn't that I wasn't interested in running a box making factory. And then I wasn't that interested in running a baking company. And then when I finally got to Maine and I'm running a company that's doing energy conservation, solar research and all these things that I like, I got bored there, too. So that was a wake up call. And what I realized was maybe it has something to do with me. In the past, I'd always looked outside myself to see what was, you know, not fitting and, you know, just kind of complain. But once I realized that, hey, you know, I just, there's nothing wrong with me or the world really necessarily. It's just I didn't fit very well with these jobs that I did. And that's what it took for me to sit down and start thinking about designing something that fits rather than just trying to, you know, get a job at something that seemed interesting for a while. So working out that process for yourself is what helped you come up with what the process is and that you could help other people through the same thing? Yes. and But I was going through that process, kind of figuring out the principles of starting out with clues then looking at what are those kind of working those clues like in the detective show, finding out more, doing research, learning what I could about whatever that area, whether it's something about me or something about the working world or whatever it was, and then building definite components. That's what I found really work was saying, I'm sure about this. And one of the things, one of the first things was, I'm not going to work for anybody again. I'm tired of working for other people. I had a boss that I had to, he would make promises that he couldn't keep and I would have to cover his tracks. And that was set me off thinking about that. And pretty soon I decided I'm not going to work for anybody else. I'm going to be self-employed or an entrepreneur. And then as I thought more about what I was like and things that I'd like to do and so forth, I started putting the pieces together on my own. And that ended up becoming part of the core of what we do at Rockport Institute and what my books are about. My son is taking that same tack that he says he doesn't want to work for anybody else. But I think from listening to you, a lot of what you learned about how to work for yourself and what your core philosophies and, and things that you knew that you would put up with and not put up with came from working from other people. So you learn more about yourself and what it is you wanted to do through working for other companies, perhaps. I did. And so I basically learned the way we all do by making mistakes. And that's one thing that makes it hard for young people these days is that, well, young people any days, now they have almost unlimited choices, or they actually do. They they really, they don't think they do. They think the economy's terrible and they have to limit their choices in all sorts of different ways, but they just don't have enough experience. So you have to go with what you have, you know, the clues that you have. 
So for somebody in mid-career who's banged around and bumped into the walls of the working world in all kinds of different ways and gotten bruised and bloodied here and there, well, that person is going to have an easier time because they have more experience. So that's an advantage to have gotten sort of knocked around in the world. Um, and if you can keep from being, being cynical and just use what you learned from that, well, that's a really powerful ally. And for a young person, you have to pick something, you know. A lot of young people do is pick something, you know, they kind of fall in love with an idea. It's kind of like teenage romance. There's something, you know, you like this and that or about about somebody, but then it turns out you get to know them. Turns out it was just your imagination. So you really want to dig into things, think deeply, look deeply, and learn from your mistakes because they'll teach you even more than your successes will. So as you get older, it may be easier to narrow things down. But as you're younger, you have the whole world in front of you. So it might be a little bit a little bit more difficult as a person in high school or graduating college to figure out what they want to do. Isn't that more what your book, Now What, is about? Now What is the Young People's Guide to Choosing the Perfect Career. That is, yeah, that's written for younger people, basically students. And it's used in a lot of college classes and so forth. But what it is, is it's, it's kind of this method I'm talking about where you become your own career detective. And it's a book for, especially for young people. Great. I'll definitely put a link to that on my site so people can find it. And let me ask you this. What is your proudest accomplishment during your career? I never liked papers that I wrote. I was always critical of them. Even writing a thank you letter for Christmas or birthdays, I would never really like them. So I knew that I couldn't write. And I made some promises to a mentor, you know, promised I was, after I developed a whole lot of methodology, I was going to spread it around. And I realized that you had to really write a book to do that. And it had to be, I talked to some PR people, they said, yes, you have to have a book that sells really well and that people honor and admire. So I thought, no, this is impossible. I can't do it. So I just gave up doing that. I just said, I, I'm, I can't do it. I'm not a writer. I mean, I'm even a terrible writer. And then maybe a year later, I realized that I was committed to making a difference with a lot of people, thousands and thousands of people out there. So I just promised myself that I was going to write a book that I was happy with. What I did was I just lived out of that promise for three years, every morning waking up for two or three hours working on the book really before work. And I had no idea that my publisher, Simon & Schuster, didn't even see the book while I was writing it. And I, you know, ended up turning it in and completely filled with trepidation. You know, I thought they'll just laugh and send it back and I'll have to give them their advance money back. But they loved it. And some people at Simon & Schuster read the galleys of it and ended up switching careers from reading the book. They were kind of at Simon Schuster to think that was a good sign. Then the book was a top 10 bestseller. And so that's what I'm, pr I'm proudest of, just making a promise that I was going to do something impossible. And then carrying that thing throughout my mind, always saying, ah, this will never work. It'll never happen. And not really listening to all the yeah buts in my mind, but just living from that promise to do exactly what I said I was going to do and having that somehow miraculously, it you know, it, it worked out and people like the book. What they like about it is exactly what I 
planned it to be. To me, it's amazing to just make a promise and be that promise instead of all the emotions. You know, it's kind of you have a choice of being the storm of emotions. And job hunting is one of the worst times to get knocked off center because you're going to get rejections. You might get a ton of rejections. It might take a hundred rejections to get the job you want, but that just making the kind of promise that you're going to have job X or you're going to have a job that's a really good fit and just doing whatever it takes to literally be that promise instead of all the fears and all the emotions and the voices in your head saying you can't do it. I think doing that is my lifetime proudest accomplishment. That's a great story. I love that. Making a promise to yourself and being true to yourself and, and writing a book for yourself and then just trusting and believing that it'll help other people and keep pushing forward on a daily basis. I love that. Here's the big question. If you woke up tomorrow with no job, no connections, what would you do to get back on your feet? And I think you've answered that a lot throughout the thing, but if we just kind of boil it down to that. What I would do, let's say I'm dropped in a city where I don't know anybody, you know, the, the whole deal. First of all, I would figure out what it was I was going to do because you can't look for a job if you don't know what if you don't know what you're going to do. So I'd probably be a little bit flexible about it. I'd probably have a couple of related things. And then I would spend all day job hunting. Obviously, I'd, you know, make sure that I was dressed right for it and do everything else to be prepared. And I might have to do a little studying. So I was up on the terminology and things that I ought to know in an interview. And then I would just get out there and meet people. And I would do it all day long. I would do whatever it took. If I had to stand by the subway with a sign saying, expert, be removal guy, you know, at your service or whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever crazy thing it is I wanted to do. You just have to get out there and spend all your time connecting with people. Some of it can be over the computer using the internet, but it's the actions that connect that make the difference. And that's, that's what I do. That is some uh, unconventional wisdom there that you did not say I'd start searching the papers or the job boards and looking for jobs. You just said I would go out and meet people, let them know what it is I'm good at and get that process rolling. Well, I would, of course, look in, you know, I'd look in the job ads, too. Uh, but that's not the main thing. The main thing isn't the little bits and pieces of what I do. It's the whole strategy behind it, which is to just get out there in the world, you know, rattle the cage, be the squeaky wheel, make self known. And if you had one book that you wanted to share with people that would help them with their career, what would that be? If you're designing a career and want to really dig in depth, it would be obviously my book, The Pathfinder, How to Choose or Change Your Career for a Lifetime of Satisfaction and Success by Nicholas Lohr. But there's an easier approach. If somebody just kind of wants to know what fits their personality, there's a wonderful book that's called Do What You Are by Tiger, T-I-E-G-E-R, which looks at your personality type and helps you look at, get some good clues about what kind of thing would be a good fit for you. That's a wonderful book. Great. I appreciate you sharing that with us, and I appreciate your time, and you've given me some great things to think about and to share with people, so I appreciate your time, Nicholas. Thank you very much, Charles. It's been a real pleasure. This episode of Reverse Interview is over. Please visit reverseinterview.com right now for more information about this episode and to get all of the insider scoop to land your dream job. That's reverseinterview.com. We'll see you next time on the Reverse Interview Podcast. Reverse Interview.